I'm Larry Morrow, and this is Take Two, the radio program that looks inside a person's adventure, not so much from the outside in, but the inside out. In the next 30 minutes, you will discover the inward joy of the heart of Ramona Robinson, which has married her to the passion of her life and the affirmation of ideals that has directed her success. Welcome, my old pal, Ramona. How are you, my dear? I am great. Good to be with you, Larry. Yes. The last time we shared a stage, we were doing something for a company that's out of business now, Higby's, called The Sharing Tree. Yes, remember? I remember that well. That was a yeah. fun time. You were so kind. Yeah, those were wonderful times being on stage with you. Well, I have known you, Ramona, from the day you arrived in Cleveland as the first African-American woman to anchor a nightly newscast in Cleveland and the first solo anchor of a weeknight newscast in our great city. Can you reflect on that experience, Ramona? Oh, wow, that conjures up so many memories, uh, so much excitement and so much pain. Um, it was, uh, I'll talk about the great stuff first, to be hired as the first uh, African-American woman to um, anchor an evening newscast was not only historic, but um, to be the first in anything, it sort of elevates you because you feel like you must do a great job. And I felt like the weight of the African-American um, community was on my shoulders and I needed to, you know, do well. And also I felt because I was the first, um, maybe with the white audience, I had to prove that I deserved to be there. And so I had all of this on my mind when all I wanted to do was do great work and tell great stories, just like any other journalist. And I just remember that time when uh, there was so much press written about me that Cleveland hires its first female. Uh, and I was in every uh, every newspaper, uh, you know, from the Akron Beacon Journal to the Plain Dealer. And we had a third <laughs> newspaper mm -hmm. uh, because this was in 1988. I was on every radio show, in every magazine. And... I was just so excited. And then I started to receive, um, unfortunately, hateful letters in the mail while I was at Channel 43. I was hired as the 10 o'clock news anchor. And um, the, the letters were horrific, Larry. I mean, I would, I'll never forget my first one. It, it said, um, Cleveland has beautiful white anchors. We don't need an N like you. Go back where you came from. Oh, and, oh. Uh, others would follow with um, pictures of baboons and monkeys, and they'd have my face pasted next to them. And, and I remember just going home every night after the 10 o'clock newscast, just bawling, crying my eyes out. And, you know, I'm a faithful and prayerful woman. And I, I was young, though. I was in my 20s. I was scared. I was like, Lord, what kind of city have I landed in? This is supposed to be great, right? <laughs> and I would just cry every night. And um, my mom told me to come home because she feared maybe the Klan would, would harm me. And then there's my, my boss, Dan Acklin, who is saying, you will be fine. You know, there are hateful people no matter where you go. And, and so I was in this struggle with what do I do? Do I leave this job? This is what I've worked for. I've gone to college. I've got the experience. I deserve this. I've earned this. 
And something so wonderful came out of that experience, Larry. I decided I was going to stay. And I remember uh, the first appearance I did, uh, some Irish Americans in North Olmsted reached out to me and said, hey, we see you're new in town. We have the Irish festival each year and we have Irish dancers. Why don't you come on out and see what we do? And <laughs> so I went and I, I did the Irish jig for the first time, <laughs> or at least <laughs> I remember dancing with Irish dancers. And then, you know, uh, some seniors in Parma invited me to a uh, Polish uh, hall, I believe, to uh, dance the polka with 70 and 80 year olds. And, you know, a 13 year old who had a crush on me invited me to his bar mitzvah. And like, oh, that's an experience. And so there was this outpouring of love and support. And literally, I knew it was God saying, I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And, and it happened, Larry. I mean, I got uh, pierogies delivered at the station, baklava delivered. Literally, they were pouring me out a, a blessing of food <laughs> <laughs> that my stomach did not have room enough to receive it. So, you know, beauty came out of something that was meant for harm. You know, that reminds me of, uh, of the book of Proverbs 3.5, which is one of my favorites. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and soul. Lean not on your own understanding, but in always acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Yes. You had to live by that, Ramona. Yes, I, I love Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Yeah. And um, it was, I'm not going to say it, was, it wasn't it was um, tough. It, it, was, it was tough, but I knew mm -hmm. if I just stayed prayerful, I said, you know, there was a reason. And it took me a long time to realize this. I didn't realize this at first because, you know, as most of us might believe, we're put on this earth to graduate high school, you know, get a job, marry, have kids and, you know, have the white picket fence. And so I thought the same thing until I realized that God had me on this journey and he had been preparing me for it all along. And sometimes mm -hmm. I had to learn that sometimes God will send storms in your life to push you forward and and build that strength in you that you need. Because I was, uh, you probably noticed when you first met me, I was pretty shy, uh, kind of reserved, uh, and I needed to get out there and stop being afraid and <laughs> I knew I could do. Well, when I first met you, the, the first thing that came to my mind was, Number one, she's tall. She's taller, <laughs> taller than me. And you are so beautiful. Uh, I said, Ramona Robinson, you might be the most beautiful girl I've oh, ever run into in Cleveland. Now, come on. <laughs> That's kind of you. Ramona, at, at that time, you had come a long way from that little girl born and raised in Wilson City, Missouri, where only 59 families lived with a medium income of $15,000. How in the world you got from there? to hear is beyond reason. Your wonderful mom, Henrietta, a gifted seamstress and maintained a small farm behind your house, raising 11 children. Yes. Right. And 10 of which were girls. And I, and I think I was, I was talking to Ramona yesterday and I said, I can imagine your dad coming home and saying, Henrietta, you're not going to believe this. We got another girl. <laughs> My dad used to always say, because he was a farmer, it's like, what am I going to do with 10 girls? <laughs> the boys. Um, 
but yeah, it was, you know, Wilson city was population 212, 12 being my family. And my, I mean, I grew up in a family of scarcity. Uh, that's all I remember is just struggle and hardship with my mom because my mom was, she is still, um, and she, I lost my mom in 2018, but she, mm. her work ethic was, was stronger than anyone I've met yet today. She was determined that she was not going to go on welfare when my dad uh, was no longer in the picture. And she gathered us all together and said, we're going to be fine. Uh, I'm going to continue to work and take care of you. I birthed you in the world. And um, so I'm responsible for taking care of you. Mm -hmm. And she said, all I need is for you guys to go to school, stay out of trouble and do the right thing. And that's what we did. And I, you know, someone asked me the other day, um, why did you leave television so early? You're still young. And I said, because I'm tired. <laughs> because people don't realize I've been working since I was 10 years old. In my community, work for the kids in a rural farming community, it's working in the fields. And I worked in the soybean fields every summer since I was 10 years old. And of course, it was illegal for we would always have to look out for the sheriff to make sure that he didn't. <laughs> you know, I when you when you reach that dreaded height of five, five or five, six, that meant that you were um, ready to work in the fields. And my sisters and I oh. were all tall. And so at 10 years old, I was about five, 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 six. And so wow. that's what I did. Uh, you're listening to uh, Take Two. I'm Larry Morrow. And my very special guest today is Cleveland television icon, Ramona Robinson. Now, your mother was a gifted seamstress. Yeah. She had a, a little home right be behind the, a, a little farm place right behind the home. Yeah. Is that how you made money? Is that how is, is that how she fed the family? Well, my mom mainly, I believe in 1964, she made a dollar 25 cents and um wow. in 1971 when she first got her seamstress job at the shoe factory that bumped her salary to two dollars an hour so mom basically <laughs> raised 11 kids on two dollars an hour and mm. we had to be creative you know they talk about side hustles today and being an entrepreneur my mom was that long before it was cool because <laughs> not only did she raise about 20 30 farm animals in the back room in the backyard that helped to supply needed food for us she also worked a, a huge garden on the side of our house where we had fresh vegetables and okra and squash and cabbage and tomatoes. And, and so she did what she needed to do to feed her kids. And even that was a lot. My mom was always mm -hmm. so exhausted and tired. I just remember her coming home, asking one of us to, to rub her feet because they were oh. so sore. And, um, but she refused to go on welfare. And, you know, I when I wrote my first book, that's I wanted to tell my story because I hate when people there are myths about single women raising their kids, especially single black women. You know, there's this thing that, oh, they just they're lazy and they want to collect welfare. My mom was determined that um, she was going to raise her kids herself. And she did accept mm. some uh, food aid. 
But um, my mom worked and worked and worked. Okay, so now you put your footprint down in journalism. You then go on to, which had to be really difficult. You got your bachelor's degree in journalism at Lincoln University in Jefferson City. That had to be, instead of putting two stripes down your arm, you had to put 15 stripes down your arm saying, wow, look what I've done. Your mother had to be so proud of you, Ramona. Yeah, it, it was tough. Um, I remember my freshman year um, going into the financial aid office. I was so excited. I was the fifth child because my mom sent nine of 11 kids off to college. And I was the fifth child entering college and I had to get a loan. Uh, I think I received a Pell Grant and I had to work in the summer to help um, pay my tuition. And I remember um, Charles Glasper, the financial aid office, he said, take a seat. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm going to have to send you home. You're $100 short of your tuition. And I remember, Larry, just starting all oh. my eyes out and crying in front of this strange man saying, you don't understand. <laughs> I have to go to college. I've told everybody told me I could go to college from the time I was six years old. I told my mom, start saving. I'm going to college. I'm going to be just like Walter Cronkite. I'm going to anchor the news. <laughs> I watched him religiously. I would even pair my lips to his, you know, with his signature sign off where that's the way it is, Tuesday, January 5th. And I sounds like him. And, and I just watched him with my mom because she loved him so much. And so my mom, you know, encouraged me. And finally, I get to college and here's this man saying, I'm going to have to send you home. And, and so I kept telling him. You can't send me home. I've got to be like Walter Cronkite. <laughs> what is wrong with this kid? And so I'm crying and he goes, you know, normally um, freshmen are in here crying because college isn't for them and they want to go home. You're the first to cry that you want to stay at our university. And he said, but, you know, I, I called your mom and, and she said she doesn't have $600. She can't borrow any more from the bank because she already had four kids in college. And he said, just go home, get a summer job and come back next year. And I'm like, you don't understand where I come from. There are no jobs. Kids who come home never leave. And, and so he said, I tell you what, go on back to your dorm room. I'm going to try to find something to help you out. And the next day he called me and said, I've got you a job and it's going to cover wow. your tuition. How wonderful. And you know, it's interesting that you tell the story about you wanted to be like Walter Cronkite and how difficult that might have been. Walter Cronkite in his early years was told, you got a terrible voice. You're never going to make it in television. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And then, and as you, as you know, he became the father of television. Yeah. 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 Well, Ramona in your early life, it was exciting. Uh, after all, um, entertainment had to be in your DNA. I mean, you can see it in your eyes. You started to begin entertaining people playing records. You became playing. What did what did you do? Get a job at a country and western radio station playing records? Well, I, you know, and I, because I still talk to so many young and older women about their careers and how they feel stuck and they're at a crossroads and they don't know what to do. And, and sometimes I tell them that story about graduating college because I'm armed with my degree and, and yeah. companies are just waiting to hire me, right? 
<laughs> well, wrong. <laughs> I, I sent out like um, 15, 20 resume tapes, audition tapes, and, you know, showcasing my work at college. And I was turned down. No one would hire me, uh, Larry. And I would, again, you know, pray to God saying, I can't take care of myself. I've got to live with my sister and brother-in-law because I can't get a job and I work so hard. And and so uh, I'm telling the Lord, you know, I'm even almost raising my voice at him saying, I've gone everywhere and no one will hire me. And the voice of God said, no, you have not gone everywhere. And I'm arguing with them going, yes, everywhere. I can't get a job. And then uh, I realized uh, when I was hearing that voice tell me you haven't gone everywhere, there was one place in town that I hadn't interviewed. And I hadn't interviewed there because I was told they don't hire blacks, so don't even bother going. And it was a country wow. radio station in town. I got up the next day armed with my resume. I walked in that station and just my luck, the uh, music director was there and he interviewed me on the spot. And Larry, I got the job. Yes, you I did. tell people all the time, do not listen to naysayers who tell you uh, what you can't do. Maybe they can't, mm -hmm. maybe that's not in the cards for them, but you mm -hmm. keep persevering, you keep trying and, and you will achieve. And so um, I didn't know anything about country music. I grew up listening to R&B and gospel. And um, there I was. This is 95 country, K-L-I-K. I would play, you know, Charlie Pride and all, you know, all the great yes. hits. And I took a, a liking to country music because of that. Yeah. Well, we all know that life is full of surprises and, and some some people lose their way in the fog going through it, but your upbringing made sure that you were going to end up in a beautiful place, and you did. You really did, Ramona, and I know how thrilled you must be about it. So let's go to 1987, and your broadcast journey takes you to the major market broadcast city, and you're chosen now to anchor. We talked briefly about it, but the 10 o'clock newscast on Channel 43 as the very first African-American woman to anchor a nightly newscast in Cleveland. Now, at that time, the big stations were Channel 3, 5, and 8, and they were running the 11 o'clock news. All of a sudden, we have this young, black, talented woman on the 10 o'clock news. So everything was against you, <laughs> and then you made it happen. But it didn't take long, if I recall, that the ratings jumped to number one. Yeah, it was it was a scary time because I'm like, oh, my goodness, we are a startup. And um, somebody had told me that, oh, you know, your chances of um, success are slim because there was another station in town that tried to start at 10 o'clock news and it failed. And um, so I thought, you know, I have never in my life started out with something that, you know, I can't. You know, my, my sister, who's a school teacher, uh, quickly told me, don't ever let me hear you say you can't. And so it was full steam ahead. It was under the direction of Dan Acklin. We all came together as a family mm -hmm. and we, we were determined that we were going to be a success. And I really was shocked uh, that early on uh, at Channel 43, the ratings just um, 
skyrocketed. And I was like, oh my goodness. And, and my name started to become uh, not a household name by that time, but I was getting a lot of press and a lot of attention. But you know what it was, Larry? And I tell you know young journalists this all the time. It's not enough for you to sit behind the anchor desk and think you're going to become a success in the community. Anybody who knows me knows that I hit the ground running. I started to go to every uh, event that I was invited to. I would, um, I started my Ramona's Kids in 1990 because I felt Mm -hmm. like when I came here, all the stories I saw on young people were negative stories. They were either truant kids, kids doing drugs, kids dropping out, kids getting pregnant. And yet I would go to these schools and talk to these kids and some of them were, dealing with just horrific circumstances, either at home or in their neighborhoods, and yet they were trying. And so I thought, these are the kids I want to highlight. And so that's why I started Ramona's Kids to highlight the positive things that mm-hmm. are doing in our community and the positive things that um, companies who support kids are doing to, to better their lives. And so I, I know that's why my name got out there, because I was out in the community, I was shaking hands and I was, you know, saying my name and, and, you know, what's Maya Angelou um, says, people will uh, forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And Mm -hmm. I still meet people today, 32 years later, who say, I met you 20 years ago. I will never forget how nice you were. And, and that, that's, that, that quote from her is so true. People never forget. You know, I had that on my website for the longest period of time. What a wonderful quote. Well, you know, you, you traveled a long way from Wilson, Missouri. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, Ramona Robinson, uh, and knowing that you have not only won so many incredible awards, and you have, what kind of a lasting impression do you want to leave on the city of Cleveland? Well, I said, I think in an interview when I first came to Cleveland, uh, I said, you know, after I leave television, I don't really care if people say, oh, she was one of the, the best anchors in town. I, I, I would prefer more that people remember me for my heart, for my kindness um, in a world that can sometimes be cruel. And right now, when I look at how divisive this country is, I think about when I lay my head on my pillow, I I pray for this nation. Um, And some people might not like this, but I used to pray for for Donald Trump. I, I because I just wanted this country to be kind uh, embrace mm-hmm. all people. And that's what I'm doing right now as an author and speaker. Uh, before COVID happened, I was going out um, spreading um, unity and hope and um, just love and people um, not being so bitter. And I think that's, that's part of the problem, you know, uh, and you might know this, Larry, after years in radio that, it's the negative people who call up and say negative things about you at the television. Mm-hmm. And the kind people, they remain silent and quiet. We need the kind people to stop <laughs> remaining quiet. And so um, 
that's what I think about. Well, you have written um, three books now. You're working on your third yeah. book. Uh, but your your first book, A Dirt Road to Somewhere. I was also born and raised on a dirt road. So I started to, I, I started to relate to that. What people don't know about you is that you've weathered the storms. You've alluded to that from time to time. And you've still achieved success. Let's talk briefly about A Dirt Road to Somewhere. Why that title? Well, because I grew up on a dead-end dirt road and... My mom used to say, I'm raising you back here on this dirt road that leads to nowhere, but you are going <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and she meant it. <laughs> and uh, so that's why. And, and I must tell you that I can't take credit for the title. Regina Brett um, gave me yeah. the title. She's so wonderful. Um, and I just wanted people to know that no matter where you come from or where you start, you can do whatever you want. The United States has a world of opportunities for everyone. We just have to take them. And it's tough. If you read my book, you'll know I got knocked down many times before. I was fired unfairly. A lot of people are fired. And are, what do you do? Are you going to sit home and cry about it? Or are you going to get back out there and fight and move forward? And so each time with the help of God, that's what I was able to do. We'll continue with part two of my interview with Ramona Robinson next weekend. Larry Morrow's Take Two, heard Saturday morning at 9.30 on 1220 The Word and Sunday afternoon at 2 on 1420 The Answer. If you have someone you would like us to interview, let me know via email at larry at larrymorrow.com. And until next time, do all the good you can to everyone you can, every time you can. For Take Two... I'm Larry Morrow.